asked a question of you. I said, are you at the end of your life or at, are you at the beginning of your life? Now, depending on if you're just hearing this for the first time or you saw it earlier in the day, you immediately came up with an answer. But I want you to pause because there is not just one answer to that question. And depending on if you're thinking temporary right now, you say, oh, I'm in the beginning, I'm in the middle, I'm in the end. But in reality, you're marching toward the end of your life, this natural life. And in reality, you're coming to the beginning of your eternal life. And yesterday I had to teach at an assistant living facility and I asked the question and of course, like you all would say, some of them yelled and said, I'm at the end of my life. And one lady said, well, I'm at the middle of my life and I'm nowhere near the end. And I was like, both of you are right. Don't have any fight here. But the reality is their perspective was so one-sided. And so many of us have that same way. So I wanted to talk about this question. And God put on my heart about time. And I'm going to emphasize about time and salvation. And you're going to see that word time and forever and end and all these things that evolve when it means what you think of when it comes to time in your life. And God has impressed on, on me that there's an urgency. There is a time is of the essence for people who are listening to me. And I want to get to the word of God and I'm not, I want to make something clear to you. I am not a preacher. I am a Christian woman who loves Jesus Christ, and I'm studying and learning just like you. My husband's a, pe a preacher. I'm not a preacher. I've not gone into seminary. So the rules for what God puts on my heart and how he wants me to teach don't follow the same prescription of three points and whatever. I give, give it to you exactly what the Lord has impressed in my heart. So we're going to start in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And that scripture talks about what many of us know. There's a time to be born and there's a time to die. There's a time to plant and time to pluck up. So tonight we're going to talk about time and we're going to talk about being born and death. But also we need to realize that there's some thinking in our mind that needs to be plucked up and dug around, unsettled, so we can think about things differently when it comes to time. Let me give you all some perspective. When you are a Christian... Or if you're an unbeliever, you think of to be born and to die the same way. But when it comes to being born again, what Christians call having that relationship with Jesus Christ is what they mean by born again. So think of this. An unbeliever on the left, a Christian on the right. They both have a birth date. Everybody follow me? It's going to be interactive tonight. So you both have a birth date. You both know that you are going to one day die. So you both are on the same Left and right are doing the same, unbeliever and believer. The second tier for those who are believers, they go and say when they meet Jesus Christ and accept him and believe that his word is true, realize that he is uh, without sin, they know he was resurrected, believe his word, they become born again. So they have a second birth date. They were born, now they have a birth date when it comes to being born again when they accepted the Christian experience. We go to the third tier. Unbeliever on the left, believer on the right. Both of you, after you have taken your last breath, will go into eternity where there is no end of time. There's no measurement of time. There's no, hey, this first year, second year, 1,000 years. It's forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and time without end. The unbeliever who rejects Jesus Christ, doesn't want anything to do with God, doesn't believe in God, whatever they've decided, 
they're going to an eternity without God in hell. Lake of fire, endless, endless, endless. The believer is going into eternity with God in heaven to be in fellowship with God. He's in the book of life as Revelations 20 talks about. So time, when it comes to the natural time, the unbeliever sees it one way and the believer sees it another way. They think of it, hey, this is life, do what I'm gonna do, hang loose, have a good time. Well, I want you to see something because in the Bible when we talk tonight, you're gonna to see time things discussed, but you're also gonna see forever discussed. And when you start to see forever, it always talks about the things of God, God or heaven, because heaven doesn't have an end. We may have a new heaven and a new earth, but heaven and God, God is eternity. He is forever and ever and ever. So I want you to think of that. So I want you to drop down, since you're already in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, look at verse 14, because I've read this before, but I want you to hear it in the view of, are you at the end of your life transitioning to your start-finish line going to be with God or separated from God? It says in verse 14, I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. I'm going to use my little valley talk. Forever. Forever. Eternity. Keep on going. Never stop it. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him. And when he says fear, reverence. God is the only know-it-all in your life that tries and does everything that he can to share who he is, who his son is, what his kingdom is, what forever and eternity will be like with him for those who seek his son and receive his son. He's done everything for this test. He says there's a test, life and death. And he tells you the answer to the test. Choose life. And you say, who's life? What's life? What's that about? What's that about? I'm pretending like you don't know anything. He says, choose life. What's life? Jesus Christ. I am the way. I'm pointing you to the way. The truth. I'm telling you the truth. And the life. No man comes to the Father except through the Son. So when we started Milkshake Monday, the whole premise was talk at a way that regular folks could understand it. I'm not trying to make big words. I'm not trying to make small words. I'm breaking it down. So, okay, what do we got going on in today? Go to Psalms 119, the book of Psalms in 119 verse 33. I want you to hear the word because the word is going to be profound to you tonight. It says, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statues and I shall keep it to the end. To the end of what? this natural life because in that new eternal life I'm going to see it I'm going to live it God's truth is ever and ever and ever we just learned about it in Ecclesiastes 3:14 but you shall keep it to the end of this natural life to start to be in the eternal life well look what it says give me understanding if you don't get what's going on with it when it comes to Christianity, Jesus Christ, what is it's not about religion, it's about relationship. It says, give me understanding and I shall keep your law. That's what all of us who love Jesus, and I'm gonna tell you, why don't we have this? But before I get there, I want you to see in, in book 89 of Psalm, it says, and the heavens will praise 
your wonders, O Lord. Your faithfulness also in the assembly of the saints. The assembly of the saints. You have saints that assemble Sundays, Wednesdays, Fridays, all the time here on natural. But in heaven, there's an assembly. It says, verse 6, For who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? Nobody. But yet we have this ego trip going on in 2019 and forward because we think we're so big and bad. We send rockets up and they come down together and land on pad. We got cars that we can go in reverse and we see the camera. We got clones here. We can do this. We can have this. But we think, not that we compare to God, we think we're better than God. Whatever God says, we got a better plan. God says, remember the Sabbath day, I'm going to go wash my car. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to kick it. I'm going to have my good time. That's my time. Verse 6 says, who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? But here's the question I asked Rev. I said, Rev, look at this verse. It says, God is greatly to be feared, but we can't get people that want to even read his word. They can't come to Sunday school, Bible class. They can't come to church to learn of God. They get too busy. And look what else is going on in verse 7. And to be held in reverence by all those around him. Now in the heavens, we talked, you heard about Reverend Watts' teaching about Revelation, so is Reverend Helm, all of them talking about what's happening in heaven. But here, the time we got, we playing games. We saying, church is silly and stupid and boring, and I just don't want to be bothered with it because that's not my thing. That's white man's religion. I just don't want it. Let's move on to Matthew. We're going to learn some things from Christ himself. We're going to hear it in the red letter from Jesus Christ talking. Most of us have heard in our childhood and even know you have to really stop and appreciate the time that you have now. Because God is saying, I know everything you need. And the thing you have to understand is that you need to know who my son is before you take your last breath and come to the end of this natural life. Because when you start eternity, there's no do-overs. There's no do-overs on this natural life. So he knows what you have need of before you ask. But the thing that we ask about, Lord, are things that are temporary. And God, in Jesus Christ, teaches things about temporary, but he teaches things about big picture. He talks about time now, and he talks about time future for the eternity. But I want you to jump down, because there's a part that I think everybody yesterday in Sunrise understood that I hope you get. They have memory impairments. So I hope you, with your big brain, gets what they got. Verse 19 says, from Jesus Christ's mouth, after he teaches them, says, Father already knows what you have need of. Then he goes, Our Father, and does the Lord's Prayer. Then he jumps down and he says, Do not, big brains again, do not lay up for yourselves. And you know what laying up for yourselves is? That's a Costco visit. That's a Sam's Club visit. That's a BJ's. That says, Don't hoard upon yourself all this stuff. And he's going to tell you about the stuff because you're going to say, what kind of stuff is he talking about? He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in. He says, do not lay up. Saints, 
He says, don't do it. We all do it. And I can't tell you how many shoes, coats, or whatever I have. I got it. I, I'm not following what he said. Don't lay up. But look what he says to lay up. Because I tell you, my elderly folks and friends, they fall asleep easily. But something was said that made them think, oh boy. Oh boy. They said, Christ says in verse 20, but here's what he says he wants you to lay up. He says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He said in the temporary time that you got, don't do this. Don't do this. But he said, for that start line for the eternity, this is what I want you to lay up. He says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, here's what they understand that you don't understand. When you go to Sunrise, any retirement home, you get to be 90, 80, whatever, and you got money in the bank, you got houses and stuff, and all of a sudden they say, mama's sick, daddy's sick, they can't take care of themselves. They go into a small little cubby, and the cubby only has five, six shirts, three or four shoes to fit, wheelchair walker, a lot of medication, somebody watching over you, and they're stuck there. And yeah, you'll come visit a little bit here and there and everywhere, but they're stuck there. And what they've laid up in treasures that Christ said, don't lay up, they are stuck knowing that all that time that they spent in the natural, laying up all that treasure, they can't take none of it in the temporary part of being in the assisted living, and they sure not taking it in the box or the fiery thing for whatever they're going to cremate or the whatever else. They're not taking much of that. You get one outfit if you get that, and you're already gone, and you're dead. So you're not even going to see that one outfit or that pair of socks, shoes, whatever they're putting on you. They're not gonna, you're not going to see it. What you're left with in sunrise is what he wants you to lay up. Peace of God. Mercies of God. The truth of God. The assurance of God, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the living word, the promises of God, the faithfulness of God, all of the things that God has tried to pour into you into this time that will come to an end. He's tried to pour into those things. He said, lay it up, those treasures, because you don't, it don't matter if your husband dies, your wife dies, your kids are misbehaving, you lose all your money, you lose all the temporary treasures. You're going to be at peace because you know this is just a temporary time born and dying. You start in the eternity and you know that God, he is the author and finisher of our faith. And none of that temporary stuff matters when it comes to his kingdom. But look what he says here. We got to move on. He says here, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now I want to transition to something because I want to spend the last few minutes talking to you about salvation. For those of you who are Christians, I'm sure you think you know. You believe that you've accepted Jesus Christ. You believe that you're going to church. You're being a good little soldier and all is well. And for those of you who really don't give a flip about church and you're just taking the time because you heard me rattle off and you're just giving me a moment, take this last few moments to hear. I'm going to pretend like none of you, whether you're Christian or you're unchristian, know anything. I want you to go... And we're going to jump over to Romans chapter 1. I'm not going to beat up on you. I'm going to tell you a couple simple things of basics of Christianity for this time that you need to understand. You have a choice, as I said in the beginning of the tape. God says you have a choice between life and death. And he told you, choose life. But if you don't know anything about the word of God, you know, I told you a little bit about 
the key thing, Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. But I want you to see what it says in verse 16 of chapter 1. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. When you actually accept Jesus Christ, you're not ashamed. Because you know you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Reb doesn't deserve it. We only got it because of the grace and the mercy of God. But what we're not going to be is ashamed to tell you about it. And my husband is suffering with hiccups and he doesn't, doesn't matter. He's going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter what fiery darts Satan throws at him. You keep praying, you saints and intercessors, because Satan doesn't want to hear what us to hear about what the truth of God's word is. And this is a spiritual attack. But it says here in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. That's a power that's going to be forever and ever. For it's the power of God to salvation for everyone. That could be you if you don't know. For everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. The devils understand who Jesus Christ is and they tremor in fear. But you know of him, but you need to know him and believe and trust and accept and live a life for him. But I wanted to say something and I want to be as frank and you can say I'm coming off rude. You all who don't know Christ and want to be agnostic, atheist, put all your ducks in the everybody but Jesus basket. You will be without excuse, the word of God teaches you. I want you to hear what he says. I want you to hear God's word, verse 20 of chapter 1 of Romans. It said, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. Now that's eternal forever and forever. So that they are without excuse. You will not be able to say, God, I didn't know, I didn't realize. And you know what? I always have this time where atheists and agnostics, they say, when you get into Foxhole, oh, everybody knows God. When there's an accident about to take your last bit of life, you go, oh, God. Everybody knows. You can lie to yourself that you don't need God, that you don't believe God, but you know that you know God exists. Satan wants you to believe he doesn't exist and you don't have to make a choice. But you have to make a choice. Either you choose life or you choose death. You reject his son or you accept his son. Don't play your games and think that you are going to get away and say, oh, you never knew. God said you're going to be without excuse, honey. Brother, you're going to be without excuse. Now go to chapter 3. I want to pretend like you don't know anything. You heard you're not going to have an excuse to say you never heard. You're not going to have an excuse that you didn't know about the time that's bounded for this now life and eternity that you can find yourself in hell or you're going to be with God. Chapter 3 of Romans, verse 23. None of us is goody two-shoes that are going to earn our way into heaven. None of us. None. Only Jesus Christ is without sin. Everybody else, me, you, everybody else, all have sinned. Now, verse 23 of chapter 3 says... For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's God's glory that will be forever and ever eternity. Don't look at me with those dumb eyes. You've sinned too. And if you don't think you're, sin, you're sinning because you're lying to yourself and God knows your sin. But here's the great thing about God. It doesn't matter if you're incarcerated, if you're addicted to this or that, if you abuse this or that. 
if you got this habit or that habit, or you're, you're going through this struggle, you don't like yourself, you're depressed, you're eating, order, eating disorder, this, whatever is going on in your life, in the space of time that you're living in, God says all of us have sinned. But he's loved us enough that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. I didn't put no big words to that. He knew how messed up you and I are. Not were, but are. Even the Christians. Guess what, honey? You're still messed up. Honey and, and brother, you're still messed up. You still sin. But God knew about the sin. He said, I'm going to send my son. And look what he says in verse 24 through 25. Being justified freely by his grace. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Through the redemption that is Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a perpetration. It's a bigger word. His blood has no sin. They crucified him so that he could take our place. He exchanged. You were supposed to be there. I was supposed to be there. We supposed to both, all of us supposed to die. But because of that, he freely gave his life, dropped his blood. They took, he didn't take, they didn't take his blood. He surrendered his blood for the propitiation of his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance talking time we're talking eternity we talking forever forever for this present time for this present time his righteousness he's available for you he's available for me he's available for her and him he's available for this present time it says here in verse 26 his present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justified of the one who has faith in jesus now i will end on a, t a story that Jesus tells to Simon in Luke chapter 7. Jesus goes to Simon's house and Simon does his little thing, think he'd done all that in a bag of chips with the, having Jesus over. You've heard the story about the woman with the alabaster box breaking a box open. It's very expensive. Judas gets an attitude. He says it could be used for the poor. He's been stealing. So you got to read it for yourself. He tells him Luke chapter 7, he explains from verses 40 to 50, he says to Simon, Simon, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question, Simon, because I don't have a lot of time. I'm going to paraphrase for y'all. I'm going to ask you a question, Simon. If there's a creditor and he's got two people that owe him money, denarius, what they call it, one owes him 500, 500 denarii, and the other owes him 50, and he forgives the debt. You don't have to pay 500, you don't have to pay 50. He asks Simon, who do you think they who will love him more? Of the debtors, who do you think is going to love him more? And Simon says, I guess it's going to be the guy in 500 who he forgave more. And Christ then transitions from talking to him to say, this woman has been crying at my feet, weeping. Hasn't ceased crying and wiping my feet with this fragrant oil that I smelled. It's going to be a memorial to her forever. Forever, not time, forever. Because she realizes that she has been forgiven of sin. And I think there are many of us who get twisted when we've been in the house of God for a while as Christians. That we're all so sadiddy and we're so of the Lord and praise the Lord. And God has just been such a, a blessing to me. And a first giving honor to God. My father said, and we forget that Christ wiped away all of our sins. And they weren't 50. 
and they weren't 500. They were a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Keep on going, keep on going. But we were at this part where we think we're like the Pharisees. And when we see people that reject Christ, we don't realize the urgency and necessity that we need to start talking to them in real talk, in real understanding and humbleness to know that we all were like them. We are still like them, but we're saved. We realize that God gave us a free gift of eternal salvation, and we want to share that. But when you only want to talk about, can you come visit my church for Friends and Family Day, for Usher Day, for this day, you're missing the point of talking to him, talking to her about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That time is passing us by. The children are being murdered in the streets. The adults are dying. The cancers, the hypertension, the strokes, all of this stuff is taking people out. Do you think it's by accident that Satan is getting busy? Do you think it's by accident that time is getting faster? Do you think it's by accident that we have all this information in the internet? Do you think it's by accident that we have a lawlessness? Read the Bible. He's told you the know-it-all of God, all-knowing, is telling you most of everything of what he wants us to understand in this Bible. He's not saying, don't read it. He says, read it. He says, you need it because Satan is going to try to beat your posterior. And if you go without knowing him, there is a finish line to this natural earth that will find you in hell. And look what it says from verse 49 to 50. After Jesus said what he says, I'm going to jump back to 47. He talks to her and he talks to you. He says, therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, like us, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? I want you to remember that it's Christ. It's Christ. He's there to forgive your sins. There is a time and it's getting closer and closer to the end of this natural life and he wants you to accept his free gift of a salvation and i pray god in the name of jesus that someone listening that does not know who jesus christ is will get in their prayer closet don't make it fancy just say god help me forgive me i i need you I want to be saved. I want you as Lord. I want to understand this relationship. I hear. Help me. In the name of Jesus, Father, I believe that your son is the living God. I believe that I've sinned and I need your forgiveness. Help me. Help me. In Jesus' name. You've got to start with a, a recognition that you have to repent. That means make a change. Say that, God, you messed up. And he'll say, like he says to this woman, your sins are forgiven. And he'll say in verse 50, then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And that's what I say to you tonight. Choose the Lord Jesus Christ in this time that you have now. 
because you can answer that question. You can have your new birth in Christ. Live for him and have his peace. God bless you.